Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind Podcast, our show about the intersection of lifestyle and technology, where we talk about the current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, design, culture, and more, from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. Today on the program, Fashion Weeks are on with Copenhagen Fashion Week that is taking place this week. We look at what digital fashion weeks might look like. We also uh, read up on what analyst Matt Klein thinks are the most important meta trends for 2022. And lastly, we are joined later in the program by our special guest, Carolina Lisle-Julfe, Secretary General of Ecomodernista, who's going to talk about why nuclear energy is important. That's going to be interesting. I'm Conor Olson, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm joined, as always, by my dear colleagues, Roland Philipp Kretschmar, Editor-at-Large, and our Junior Editor, Erik Sedin. Morning, guys. Morning. Morning. All right. So we, I think we're going to do a, kind of a bigger story on Copenhagen Fashion Week next week when we sort of had time to to sort it all out. I can just note that, uh, uh, you know, just in time for Fashion Week, Denmark lifted all restrictions. And I've been viewing uh, all kinds of, of images and reports and, and Instagram stories from very, very crowded dinner parties down at... Uh, at uh, you know the center of, of of Copenhagen from Apollo Bar, uh, one of the most classic sort of after parties. People are packed. They are packed. I think the Danes have been looking forward to this for a long time. Yeah, and, and, and we joked about how Fashion Week has like a stronghold of, of the prime minister. So like for Fashion Week, they have to go. The restrictions. What 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 is your uh, FOMO uh, scale here, uh, Conrad? Looking at all the pictures on Instagram from Apollo Bar. You know, I have to say, you know, I've, this is the first time, or maybe last year, of course, but, you know, spending January not traveling to any fashion week, not going to Italy like I used to, it, you know, you kind of get used to being at home and you kind of get comfortable in it. Uh, so, you know, I kind of I kind of feel good not traveling. But when I see these photos, absolutely, I, you know, I, I would love to be there, meet people, hang out. Uh, I think there was a, some kind of picture on, was it some of the founders of Soland that the, the after party was crashed by the police. So it seems like people are really into, uh, they really want to to get out there and party and, and, and are doing so in, in a heavy fashion. Anyways, there's been quite a lot happening in uh, during uh, Copenhagen Fashion Week. A lot of shows, more than I've ever expected. Actually, a lot of creativity. I think is you know it's looking very expressive. We had one story up this week from uh, the winner of the Designers Nest Award, the uh, MA graduate of Alta University, Levi Ikeheimo. Sorry about uh, my pronunciation. Levi Ikeimo, Rintaro Idino, and Fredrik Taus are the recipients of the Nordic Fashion Prize. Uh, and that looks really awesome. Uh, there's also Jade Copper and a bunch of other designers that I'm really looking forward to. We might dive into that uh, uh, next week. Let's take a look at another story that we've been reporting on uh, this week. Uh, Eric, you can tell me more about this. But, you know, Decentraland have announced that they're launching a virtual Fashion Week uh, later this year in March. What's happening here? Uh, so yeah, like you said, Copenhagen Fashion Week just uh, just finished, and Stockholm Fashion Week is uh, coming up next week. <laughs> we posted a story about how Decentraland will host uh, the first Fashion Week in the metaverse, which of course there are all these buzzwords, and I just wanted to kind of debone this and like look at what it really means because we've seen, you know, we've seen fashion collaborations, we've seen fashion shows uh, right. on digital platforms, but this is like the first Fashion Week. 
And you know, some things are kind of worrying me here because uh, they're doing this Fashion Week officially. The Centerland has officially gone out and say that this is taking place in March, in a month. Uh, with UNXD. I don't know if you guys heard of UNXD. That was the first time I read about it, but please explain to the listeners. They're not they're not huge. Like they've done one uh, official Dolce Gabbana NFT uh, digital like uh, and physical clothing drop which was uh, kind of wrote, written about, but uh, they're not very big. They they call themselves a luxury marketplace for digital goods. So art and digital fashion. Uh, not really that big. They have like uh, 2000 followers on Instagram. If you compare it to like Tribute brand or materialized or dress x you know far better probably for like such a you know such an established platform like the centerland they should have went for like a bigger like marketplace if you ask me so that's like my first kind of concern about this it's supposed to be a whole week four days right right with you know fashion shows um catwalks uh, pop-ups shops after parties so four whole days and that's kind of my first concern how unxd are supposed to be this great you know like they're supposed to have this pull to the centerland which i'm not so sure they will we'll see um the thing is this fashion week is also the only the centerland has went out and said that the fashion pieces on show is only for the avatars so it's not like uh you can buy like a physical twin or you can buy them for another platform so it's a fashion week only for the centerland and <laughs> for me like another uh, thing i'm a bit not worried about, but that I'm kind of, you know, flabbergasted about is how many people do you think, I'm going to ask you now, it's like a little quiz here, how many people do you think are on uh, Decentraland? Great question. That's a hmm. great question. I have no idea. Because Decentraland, they're supposed to be this, you know, the, the most established uh, metaverse platform, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. average per month. Yeah. I don't know. 20,000? What was that? 20,000 and 20. No, a couple of hundred thousand, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're far. Well, that's far, good. Far. I'm, I'm a bit. Uh, I think Ron might have googled this before he, uh, because that was very close. <laughs> it's three hundred thousand actually. Okay. Which is more than good. you said, Connor, twenty thousand. But it's it's pretty good. But yeah, I'm lowballing it. it. Yeah, that's good. But you know, it's 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 a lot. But you know, if you compare it to these gaming platforms, it's peanuts. Mm. It's mm. nothing. <laughs> like uh, for example, Roblox, they have two hundred million. Mm, uh, Minecraft, right. that's kind of like old now. 141 million monthly users. What about Fortnite? Fortnite, 80 million. Yeah. So no, but I, I think you're onto something here. And, and this is where we will see the washout of the year. I mean, now when the pandemic is kind of moving into endemic phase and restrictions are lifted globally, people want to go out into the physical world again. There's going to be a backlash, let's say, on everything related to metaverse. I think we're going to see a lot of these platforms... <clears throat> basically uh i mean struggling uh but i, I think it's healthy right mm. um we we need these kind of washouts now and again to of kind course. of and, and i think that's where maybe uh you know meta the i mean old facebook they have an advantage right to have like a billion plus users uh monthly uh, i think apple i mean they, they they acknowledged this week they're investing into the metaverse i mean those big platform players yeah are going to win. And I think maybe this is not uh, the time to discuss this, some other episode maybe, but uh, the whole idea of Web3 is decentralization. I'm starting now to see the patterns where actually all the big players are going to consolidate and own everything in this decentralized world. So (laughs) I'm not so sure about decentralization anymore. I know, it's kind of like a catch-22. 
Yeah, we should definitely talk about that and maybe find someone to talk talk to uh, about it with. Um, but just one comment on sort of the fashion week term here, because mm. you know, having been been in the world of fashion for for quite some time, the, the term fashion week is kind of this uh, weird terms. Uh, that anyone can kind of claim, but it sounds really official. So it's kind of easy to just claim we're doing the the fashion week. We do. I mean, if if no one has claimed the first digital fashion week, it's very easy to to claim we're doing the first digital fashion week. I mean, we know it just by by looking at the the Scandinavian fashion weeks how the organizers behind them are always changing, and people are sort of claiming this uh, this concept, and it's really just. Uh, um, it's really just an event. It's really just you know collecting people, uh, showing uh, a fashion in, in various ways, trying to find momentum in in sort of the culture around it. So we'll see what happens here. I thought it was fascinating that they they're doing it. I also think it's going to take a while until we see sort of the the merge between physical fashion weeks, which we're seeing right now in Copenhagen, that people are really longing for the physical experience and these yeah. digital fashion weeks. And I think maybe perhaps this is a theme we can explore when we are now putting together our next uh, print issue, <clears throat> which have a huge special on digital fashion. Because yeah. I think, you know, if anything, the need for a digital fashion week is probably, you know, we, we, we need to see the emergence of more digital uh, you know, direct to avatar, more like digital yes, yes. fashion brands. Yes. So I, I think it's an interesting concept to look at. I don't think we one should, uh, you know, <laughs> overestimate what what impact this will have. Yeah, and I'm I'm a bit worried that this fashion week, like the first official fashion week, will just end up as a YouTube clip. You know, because no one really went there, and it's just going to be like, <laughs> oh, look at this. And that's what I think, uh, that's what I mentioned Roblox and all these places before, because they've done these, you know, they have like UGC content, user-generated content, uh, where the players actually make fashion, and those are like sold in millions of copies. And I think right. a fashion week for the users, where they, you know, let's say uh, Decentraland it makes like an official fashion week, but why do they need these like IRL, like, I don't know, they don't need these like outside second parties i don't think i think the users should be in charge here that's the ultimate test right of the metaverse will it actually be interaction will digital things be sold <laughs> or will it end up as a youtube clip that no one watches <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on this week, Matt Klein announced his meta trending trends for 2022. Roland, I know this is something you keep a close eye on. What is this and why should we pay attention to it? Uh, well, I think we're all a bit lazy, right? So every year there are tons of trend reports uh, published. <clears throat> I usually wait uh, for end of Jan, early Feb, because that's when Matt Klein basically has synthesized uh, you know, 40 plus trend reports, you know, Fjord, Trend Watching, Accenture, uh, Sparks and Honey, Deloitte, you know, the list goes on. All the major trend reports, he synthesizes mm. all the 500 plus trends and basically ranks them the, mo the 14 most frequently reported cultural trends. So it's, it's aggregating, uh, it's nice, it saves me a lot of time and I, you know, let's not go through the, the maybe the 14 uh, <clears throat> aggregated trends, but let's say, let's aim at the top five. Right, so number Let one. Let me just get this straight before we move on. Yeah. You've had the role of, of editor-at-large for future and digitization, and you're not just now revealing where you, this is your source material? This is how you of do course. it? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. Maybe I, should, maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> no, but listen, I, I, I think uh, there are a lot of shortcuts in life. Uh, let's give our readers um, the, the, the possibility to save some time as well. Anyways. 
the major trend that you see everywhere is eco everything, not a surprise, right? So sustainability is embedded everywhere. Uh, but, you know, we want action, but delivery now. Some of the keywords that he has uh, seen is greenwashing, compromises, buy for life, circular, zero impacts. You know, that's kind of the aggregating uh, words coming out. All the major trend reports have something about eco. The second major trend is digital default comes as no surprise. We talk, we talk about it every, uh, every week. So life moves online and, in the, and, and there's this kind of um, blurring between in real life and, 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 and online world. Uh, you know, there's some keywords, digital, metaverse, virtual reality, gaming, avatar. The third one is interesting. This is something um, that maybe could be a surprise. So that's everything related to kind of um, some sort of mind expanding uh, type of uh, produce. It could be magic mushrooms. It could be any other uh, psilocybin type of uh, ingredient. So, you know, tune in, drop out, slow down, you know. How can you expand your mind with other uh, natural resources or chemical resources? Um, but that's something that is, is, is trending for a couple of years now, especially uh, the use of psychedelics for uh, mental health issues. Uh, it's been mm. approved in the U.S. to be used now in, in, in limited testing environments, etc. So I think psychedelics are back, basically. The fourth major trend uh, is radical inclusivity. So, you know, <clears throat> gender, neuro, accessible, income, fluid, all of these words uh, buzzing around, but basically radical inclusivity, meaning that, you know, full on, on diversity, equity, belonging, integration, you know, it, we in the Nordics are pretty used to this, but globally speaking, this is booming, fi finally, I would say. And then the, the fifth major trend is, uh, I would say, humor. Um, so some sort of purposeless fun. Uh, and I think maybe this is uh, actually a consequence of the pandemic. You know, we've been bored to death for the past two years. Uh, so humor is back. You know, we, 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 we need a good laugh. Um, yeah. So, you know, in short, uh, if you want to um, save some time, read up on Matt Klein's meta-analysis of 40 plus different trend reports, he has uh, aggregated 500 different trends. You find him on Medium. Just Google it. Um, I will include the link, of, of course. But is, is, yeah. let me ask you then, is, is there any of these uh, uh, trends that you think is particularly interesting and caught your mind that we should explore in, in further episodes? Uh, what, what has sort of you know been roaming around in, in your mind after reading this? Well, I think basically it is maybe a larger discussion about how, are trend reports dead? <laughs> it's like everything is trendy if you think about it. Yeah. If, you, if you actually look through the trend reports and all these 500 plus different trends, because, yeah, obviously I'm reading also those reports, so not only Matt Klein's uh, meta-analysis. No. I mean, everything is, is, is listed. So that is a bit my problem with the trend reports, that it is maybe more kind of a barometer of what is happening right now Mm. What, it, what is written about in media or in blog posts or talked about in podcasts right now, mm. but it's maybe not, let's say, a future prediction. There you need to start to dig deeper. 
So I would say, you know, if, if you need to have good conversations about what's trending right now in life, in, in, in the world, in society, read the trend reports. It gives you some, some sort of barometer. But if you want to use it to predict the future, I, 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 I wouldn't use that. Um, well, it's I, my I experience that, that sort of trend reports are like, if, like forward-looking trend reports are more uh, state of things than the future of things uh, because yes. you're actually listing things that are happening uh, right now instead of sort of predicting things that will happen. Exactly. And uh, if you think about those, uh, let's say, futurists that have been the most successful at predicting the future, Ray, Ray Kurzweil and others, I mean, mm. they don't spend their time uh, writing trend reports with glossy images. And, you know, they, they actually spend time thinking hard uh, on problem solving. And, and, and you know, uh, I, I think it requires a lot of true effort, of true analytics. Uh, maybe uh, you need to expand it with also some machine learning capabilities at this stage in order to really try to predict the future. Um, that's hard work, let's say. But if you want to have a good read, have some fun, uh, use it for kind of your, your yearly planning at your marketing firm or whatever. I mean, yeah, that, then, then it's a good source of inspiration. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Usually trend reports are really uh, kind of creative when it comes to language, because what these sort of trend reports need to do is invent or try to nail down or, or you know, define these trends and usually have some fun, fun uh, you know, uh, headlines and fun ways of, of, of calling things uh, new, in new ways. Uh, were there some takeaways, uh, takeaways there? I mean, the new buzzwords roaming around? Yeah. I mean, if, if you just look at the way... Uh, he has kind of aggregated this, right? So if we take this fifth trend around humor, I mean, he, he uh, you know, it's playfulness, playtale, playful pivots, radical optimism, unbounded <laughs> optimism, prescribing happiness, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the list goes on. Extertainment, absurdist makeovers. I mean, they... they I, uh, that's fun in itself, actually, just reading up on these different keywords and the way they package all these trends, right? You know, that's fun. And and just a quick comment, because we, last week we had uh, Andrew Tuck, editor-in-chief of Monocle, on the show, and their latest cover is, or the latest issue is all about humor. So yes. maybe we are onto something here. All right, that was Matt Klein's Meta Trending Trends for 2022. Uh, you'll find everything in our show notes uh, and in the email that we send out every week uh, about this podcast. All right, we are now joined by our special guest, Carolina Lisle-Julfe, Secretary General of Ekomodernisterna, a non-profit organization that has a tech-optimistic view on how to solve our most important problems. Carolina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having Was me. Was that a good description of you guys? Because uh, uh, tech-optimistic, is that a good description of what you do? I would say that that's definitely what we do. And, uh, and I mean, tech is the solution to so many of our critical problems. And uh, I, I truly believe that tech is the answer of pretty much everything. So, yes. Wonderful. Let's, let's dive into it from there. Um, let's just pick a hot topic right away. You know, one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you is there has been so much buzz around nuclear nuclear energy being kind of like a solution to uh, you know, greenhouse gas emissions, sustainability. We have some really um, notable you know, tech personalities like Bill Gates uh, coming out in favor of, of uh, a nuclear. Let's, let's dive into this hot topic right away. Uh, how, what's, what's your take on this and why is this important? 
Well, I mean, first of all, nuclear is like the greatest source of energy, of clean energy that we have at the moment. Um, we can provide pretty much energy for the whole world in a very small area. So nuclear mm. is not just tech, it's also sort of a great source of energy that you can create on a minimal um, area. So you, you could actually build nuclear very uh, space effective if you want to. Right. Um, so it's, I, I would say that um, uh, people tend to, I mean, the best about nuclear is pretty much if it's safe or not. Um, and uh, if you listen to the science, which is also one of the very important part of the eco-modernists, we always sort of rely on science in our take on, on everything. And um, uh, then you have nuclear is, is one of the safest source of energy and uh, that most powerful source of energy that we have at the moment. And um, it's also the one that is best for the environment. So it's, it's more, more electricity for people. Uh, more space for nature, for nature, and um, we can all live happily. Well, that's a, it's certainly <laughs> a, a strong pitch. Um, do you think nuclear needs a, a rebrand? I had, you know, Scott Galloway, a famous uh, sort of podcaster, uh, a professor. Uh, he went out with his uh, 2022 prediction saying that nuclear is going to be one of the hottest sort of investment investments for, for, for this year. Uh, but do you think nuclear needs a, a rebrand or, you know, kind of obviously it does, but how should that happen? And, and, and are new generations sort of uh, ready for this? I mean, if you, if you go back in history, I mean, we have done this before and we can do it again. Uh, of course, you can always do things better and more efficient. And that's what's tech about. Uh, and um, if, if, if you look about the investment, I mean, the, the problem is, I mean, you, you haven't missed this debate about the taxonomy in, no. in the EU, uh, which is actually to, to give the financial ability to invest in nuclear. So we're really happy about the new uh, decision in the EU. And that happened uh, just uh, the other day, right? We should yes. just mention what that is. Uh, so the taxonomy is uh, the European um, investment uh, tool uh, for mm. investments to see. Uh, I mean, it's actually to calculate if it's a green source of investment. And everybody know that uh, you won't get fundings if you don't have green investment. So it was really important to get the classification for, uh, for nuclear because it means that it's sustainable and when it's sustainable, you can get funding, so. Um, and there was quite a lot of debate, but I know Sweden did not object to having nuclear as part of the taxonomy, right? No, so, so we were, were pro, um, pro the nuclear, which mm. is um, amazing. But yeah, about the, the development of, uh, of nuclear, of course, is that, uh, I mean, you, you see the small modular reactors as people are talking about it. So that's also like the big bus. And you have one part of the society says like, okay, that's in the future, that's not gonna happen. And I mean, we're positive to see what's gonna come out. And we also know that this is actually coming right now. Uh, I think there is like 10 different projects uh, that are supposed to go live within the 2030 or, well, around 2030 mm. um, and um, this is, is a big opportunity to see what's gonna what's gonna come out of that because that is um, uh, that's making it possible to build smaller safer and sort of uh, easier easier constructed um, uh, industries so you could place those near cities or nearing the industry so you can be really sort of 
specific in, um, in, in putting energy where you need it, which is also a big, um, uh, big possibility. And then, of course, I mean, the, the thing that takes time, people are always talking about that it takes too much time. We can't wait to build nuclear. But uh, I think the, the, mid, the mid average time of building nuclear is seven years. If you look on the global scale in Sweden, for example, we have the regulations that we cannot build more than altogether 10 reactors and, and it's 20 years of decision making. And I truly believe that this is going to be one of the major changes um, for the development, like globally, because I mean, you cannot really deny the fact that we need energy, not only in the Western world, we need to electrify pretty much all of the sources that today uses the fossil fuel. Right, right. Uh, just you mentioned before how you need uh, you can you only need like a really small space and you can get electricity to a lot of people and um, I recently listened to a, to a podcast uh, the uh, documentary about the Fukushima disaster how you know it can come in like natural disaster that can be really hard to you know predict so yeah. where in the world is is it best to put these plants is it Scandinavia because we were kind of you know I can't remember the last time we had a big natural disaster or where is a good place to put these plants if they take up so small space and it still distribute so much energy? Do you know that? Well, I, I think it's kind of depends. I mean, some energy sources will definitely be better placed in, in other areas. Today, you put the nuclear reactors near uh, water for cooling system. We will also see this new development in Blykalla or uh, like the lead cooling uh, system mm -hmm. of, of uh, reactors. So, I mean, I don't say like it, it's easy to put anywhere. I mean, of course, you will have to do uh, a resource to see where to put them. But on the other hand, we also know that it's possible to put those small modular reactors on, for example, a ship. So mm. anywhere where you, where you have water, I mean, you can transport electricity. So um, of course, so maybe you wouldn't put it in the desert. But then on the other hand, if you look on uh, around on a global scale, uh, you can see desert-like areas building nuclear. So. Oh, cool. um, I'm not going to say like the where it's best to build at the moment, but um, you see it's popping up pretty much um, all over the world. Carolina, I think this is a fascinating topic uh, and, and I, I assume we're all on the same side of things here. But I would like to unpack uh, one aspect of technology. So yes, technology solves a lot of problems, but technology is also a huge challenge. <laughs> so um, there are, for example, the security elements. Uh, there are um, environmental elements. You know, the use of technology actually is harmful to nature as well, the energy consumption, etc. cetera. Um, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, there are two, two sides of technology, right? So. Let's maybe start with the security element, because obviously that, that is um, a, a huge factor if we talk about nuclear energy and, uh, you know, having uh, nuclear plants on boats circulating, for me, that sounds a bit risky, but, you know, please unpack this in, from your end. I'm, I'm not saying that each and every boat is going to have a nuclear reactor for sure. Um, I mean, <laughs> but the safety is interesting. And I mean, if, if you... If you look back in time, where you started building the nuclear back in the 70s, of course, uh, there wasn't uh, enough uh, research and science and you build it different. Of course, no one uh, wants a new um, Chernobyl, for example. Um, but I would also say that today you have no other source of energy that is more actually scientifically uh, researched. You have so many secure, I mean, there's so many different steps of security within the nuclear. 
Um, for example, if uh, if there is a natural disaster, I mean, Fuku, uh, Fukushima is a great example. Actually, it was the as you were mentioning, it was the natural disaster uh, that is uh, that created uh, the uh, the harm. Yeah, you don't have any. Re I think well, I think there is one um, um, cause of death due to to the uh, radiation, for example. But it's, I would say that the Fukushima was a great example of that everything works in terms of security, uh, rather than saying that, um, that, that it wasn't secure. No, but okay, so let me rephrase, because I, you know, I, I'm pro-nuclear pro energy, so let's make that clear, right? But there are obviously uh, major risks, and especially with an increasing knowledge among also criminals, um, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> hackers, um, terrorist groups, I mean, and, and the, the more we kind of, let's say, connect society, uh, the more risks there are also as a consequence of that, right? And I, I guess for a lay person in society, you know, there's, there will always be at the back of their heads, this element of risk. So one is to say, you know, well, there, there, there are no, let's say, um, natural disasters in the Nordics, you know, so we're safe. But then there's the other element. Well, yeah, but then there might be terrorists or other uh, criminals, uh, you know, that would hack the system and, and that could impose a threat, right? So I, I, I don't want to, let's say, bring this this discussion to a lot of negativity, but I, I think it's relevant. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the biggest um, threat to nuclear is fear. So, of course, it's, it's, a, it's a very important question to, um, to raise. But if you look historically, again, and up to date, I mean, you have countries that have nuclear and they do not have nuclear weapons because that's usually what People also think that oh, you you can use the ways to to build nuclear weapons, but then you have countries without nuclear, uh, but they do have the weapons. So um, it's, I mean, it's always going to be a threat, I guess. But you also, if you look on on the new um, uh, the new tech on on nuclear, is also they're going to use a different kind of uh, material than the uranium, for example, like thorium, or to also reuse uh, uh, the the current waste. Uh, matter, so you will you will change the uh, composition of of the <laughs> the waste, sort of speak. So, um, of course, if, I, I'm never going to say there is not a risk to anything. I mean, there there's a risk to everything. We we know that, um, but there is uh, so many different kind of aspects with nuclear that we've been taken into consideration for a very long time, and now when we see. Uh, um, the storage are being approved uh, to, to keep the storage down in, in the ground um, and people are thinking, well, it can't be safe there for a hundred thousand years. And I, I mean, my personal view of that is I hope not. I mean, hopefully we can dig that up and, and reuse it so we don't have to get any new material. So we reuse, we reduce and re recycle. I mean, that's pretty much the take on, on everything, not, not, not only plastic waste, but also the uranium waste. So. Karina, I want to move on because there are a few other topics I want to hear your take on. And uh, just to give a little bit of a background, you uh, started at uh, Ekomodernisterna uh, five months ago. I know you're soon launching a new podcast, uh, but just in terms of how you guys work and, and how you uh, you know influence the, the world around you, uh, talk a little bit about, about how you do that. And then I want to get into asking about the cities uh, before we end. Oh, okay. Um, well, I mean, as, as we started this part, I mean, the, the tech possibilities is, is really a core of our organization. Uh, and um, 
I, I would describe it as like a new dream movement um, because look historically, of course, um, humans make impacts on nature. So, um, but that doesn't have to mean that all impact has to be negative. And it means that with new efficiency and new tech and new view on uh, old problems, um, we can actually restore and make um, less impact, even though we're a growing population, growing cities, more uh, um, energy usage and everything. So, um, so what we do is that we, we really try to put the scientific view on each and all problems. Uh, we don't want to get stuck in the formal views of thinking that people are problem and we're, we're actually the cause of all all the problems we want. We, we mm. like to think that we're the solution. So human and tech in combination can actually be very good for the environment, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, sure. That's, that's, a, that's a great take on it. And, uh, you know, I wish we had more time to go into all the work that you do. And, and there's definitely reason to have you back on uh, to talk some of these subjects. Uh, there's just one, one uh, just to give another example of, of uh, uh, your take on things. You have a strong view on cities. And in terms of having them be more, um, you know, let's say car free or, or mm -hmm. free them of cars. Just just give me your, your rundown on that. Well, yeah, I mean, that comes down to, to efficiency as well, because, I mean, the bigger population um, and the more people who live in cities, the more actually space efficient we are, because people tend to live in smaller apartments, we live in taller buildings, which means that the buildings itself are made of less concrete. Uh, we use uh, energy more efficiently. And if we move the people to the cities, then we don't really need the cars in the cities. So uh, because then usually the distances are enough to use public transportation, you can go by bike or walk. Uh, and here in Stockholm, for example, I mean, I go by boat every morning to work. So <laughs> there, is, uh, there is always other ways of commute to the city. And then I, I, I mean, from the boat, I just walk to my office. So, so by living in the cities, you can have a less impact. Actually, people tend to be more vegetarians, for example, in cities than if you live on the countryside, uh, which is also good for the environment. And uh, by, of course, going by public transportation, you, less, mm. uh, you use less um, uh, fossil fuels. And um, by living closer to the cities, then you can also restore nature to nature. I mean, going back to the 18th or actually 700s, century uh, then um, then we had pretty much no forests in Europe because we were using woods for fires and and uh, making uh, agriculture areas but now when we can have more effective agriculture we can let their woods stay as forests and um, and people live in the city so it's, it's actually very good for the environment to build tall buildings and live compact living in cities. Wonderful. Let's get back there. We cover the, the mobility sector quite a lot and it should be interesting to, to have your take on it. Just uh, you are now uh, launching your own podcast. Uh, when we talked the other day, you ha still hadn't had a name uh, for it yet, but can you talk about uh, what we will uh, listen to in this podcast? What kind of conversations are, will you be having? Yes, we will do this in, def uh, in different series. So the first 10 um, um, uh, interviews will be on uh, energy questions, everything from solar, wind, nuclear, but also how, how energy will be a part of the society on um, in which sectors will energy be an important um, topic, where do we need it, how do we get it and uh, how to make the best of it. 
And then we will also have um, the, the next part of the pod will be on biodiversity, because I mean, you can't, you can't really deny that even if we have the climate change, uh, we also have the big loss of biodiversity, which is even in, in my world, a, a bigger wave or a leap to, um, to, to cause a problem for, uh, for this planet. So uh, biodiversity will also be a big part. And then of course, um, effective cities and uh, other eco-modernist topics. Wonderful. All right. Thank you, Carolina, for coming on the show. Uh, this has been the Scandinavian Mind podcast. As per usual, guys, what are you looking forward to in the week to come? Roland? Well, uh, two things. Uh, one uh, is going to Åre, actually, skiing. So that's going to be nice. Uh, the second is, and I'm going to miss that, but I'm going to view it online. It's, it's, it's kind of... Um, Gallery Week, Art Week in Stockholm. There's a right. lot of new exhibitions coming up uh, in Stockholm next week, so that's going to be exciting to follow by by distance, unfortunately. Erik, uh, the big news is obviously on Wednesday. <laughs> Swedish restrictions all leaving, so looking forward to that. See what happens uh, on Thursday, how I feel, and also Stockholm Fashion Week, of course. It'd be cool to see if uh, if you can pop by somewhere. Yeah, there, there's uh, quite a lot of sharing going on at uh, the uh, Stockholm Fashion District where they're happy uh, doing the, the, the fashion fair with, with lifted restrictions. And this has been the Scandinavian Mind podcast. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to not to miss out on any uh, news or drops. Until next week. Goodbye, guys. Take care. Stay safe.